In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Galaxy Cast fans, welcome to this episode. I have three people in the studio tonight. Have with me Eric the Artist. I am not directing Guardians of the Galaxy three. I have with me Gary the Stud, and I'm not a forking. And I am Bob Crispin, your host, <laughs> and I am directing nothing but my own homework at this point. And we're going to talk. Well, we've only got two things to talk about, at least at the beginning of this episode tonight. And we thought these are two main topics that have to be discussed. And we're going to step away from Star Wars for a little bit. Yes, we do that occasionally. It's not the end of the world when we do it. Uh, we're going to talk first about the Captain Marvel movie that's been released as of last week. We've all seen it. And we are going to then talk about the Avengers Endgame trailer number two, which got released this week. We've also all seen that. Which just came out after Captain Marvel. Yes. So, let's get to it. All right, Captain Marvel. Probably, to be honest, the most controversial Marvel movie that has come out to date. Which is odd, I think. I, I'm not sure I understand all of the controversy behind it. I understand some of it. Yeah. I have some issues with the movie, and they're slightly linked to the controversy, but not really. And we can talk about those as we go. So let's let's talk about your guys' thoughts on Captain Marvel. Was it a win for you guys? Like, was Captain Marvel a win for all three of you, or how did you feel about it? All three, are you seeing an extra person I'm not seeing? Because you said all three <laughs> of you. Sorry. Yeah. All three of us, I meant, yes. Okay. The two of you plus like, me. Who's here hiding? I'm scared. The dog. I'm going to ask uh, the dog his opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric, what did you think? It was a win for me. Yeah. If you're going for just a simple answer before we get into the details, it was a win. Yeah. Eric or Gary, what do you think? I was entertained. You were entertained? So I did its job. Okay. Um, I'm not... I'm like a 50-50 on this one. I didn't get the um, wow factor. I got out of a lot of the other origin stories, which I'm actually kind of disappointed in. I wanted a wow factor. I wanted a huge, like, oh my gosh moment. And I'm not quite sure it happened. And I don't know if that's because... 
We've had so many oh my gosh moments that I was like on we it's hard pins to top. And needles yeah. right like to t- top that. I think part of it too is is after you come out of Endgame, it's like you're always expecting huge big, and this never Infin- provided Infinity War. Or excuse me, Infinity War. Uh, this didn't provide the huge big. It was just an origin story, right. and I, I had to walk out, kind of reminding myself that that yeah. was the point. That and was all. This it was is the be. thing I put it completely on par with, like Thor one. You know, the first Thor to me was not a knock out of the park. It was like, oh, I got Thor. It was pretty good. It all took place mostly in this small town. It didn't have an epic scale to it, right. like you know, I expected you could do with a Thor movie. I mean, it traveled to some other worlds with Asgard and all that, but it felt like it kind of focused on some weird things to humanize him. And then watching this, I'm like, wow, it's very similar. It's like kind of, kind of yeah. small scale for a lot of it, focusing on the people. So to me, it ranked right in line with like a Thor one type level movie. It, right. so it was, it had the burden of having to tell an origin story. It had the burden of tying in with other movies. You know, it had all these things they had to kind of handcuff themselves with. But they, I still felt that they tried a unique way of telling that story with dropping us in the character's middle of their life as an alien right. and kind of backtracking while going forward at the same time and discovering with her what had happened. I like that approach. I thought it at least you know, spiced it up a bit. Gary, what did you think of the idea of, like, not only is it being an origin story, but now we've introduced the Skrull conflict with the... Uh, um, the Kree Empire? Kree Empire, yeah. What did you think of the way they did it? I actually enjoyed it because they kind of twisted it around on everything. See, I think that's the one thing I didn't like, because now they're like, again, maybe it's because of the comics we grew up with, but the Skrulls were bad people, I'm sorry. No matter how you sliced it in the, Mar- in a, the Marvel Universe, Skrulls were never good people. They were invaders, they would come into your planet, they would basically immerse themselves in your culture without you knowing it. A lot of it was to spy on you so that they could basically <clears throat> take your planet over and be the only species left on Earth. I always looked at it as like, you know, the idea of like kind of like Independence Day where instead of them sh- throwing ships at you though, they, they just invaded right. physically. And for them to try to throw this like humanizing factor onto a group of people that what I read in comics as always being the bad guy I know a lot of people were praising that, saying, oh, I love that different approach. I didn't. I didn't like it. Actually, it, it threw me off. And I was like, no, Skrulls are not good people. They're, this is, you know, and I guess that's the one thing that I found disconcerting about the whole thing was we played them out to be these good guys and the Kree to be the bad guy, where even in the Marvel comics, they both were bad guys. Right, right. Played throughout the whole thing. And I don't know, maybe <clears throat> that's going to change later. Well, I mean, the Skrulls fought back. They did do war. You know, there was a war going on and stuff like that. Right. I think I liked the approach. I actually liked the twist because it really threw me off. You know, I wasn't expecting it. And my wife actually turned to me and she says, wait a minute, are they not the bad guys in this? And I went, (laughs) I think they're not. We both were surprised by it because when she was, she likes these movies. She's watched every one of them. She's dying to see Endgame. I mean, we're, She's, she's a fan. She's hooked. But she doesn't know the comics. Right. So I had to give her kind of the background. I said, well, yeah, this, you know, the Kree and the Skrull, both bad. Skrulls have been bad, you know, invaded Earth, fought the heroes. So, you know, I'm expecting it to be kind of that whole, they'll play off the Kree as the good guy, the Skrull as the bad guy, and in the end you'll find out they're both bad. But then when I found out, no, they actually switched it a bit. And they didn't necessarily, the Skrulls were good. They just said the Skrulls were trying to survive. You know, I do think that there's, we're 24 years after that whole thing happened. Stuff can change. I do think there's a chance of scrolls becoming, you know, if new scrolls are being I born. I still have a theory about it. I'll talk about yeah, that in a second. If they're, bringing, if they're bringing in a new generation and that generation is learning to be afraid because of the, the toughness they've experienced, I could very much see them approaching a new scroll generation as, 
bad guys coming in and all that. You know, I, I don't see it as being completely taken away yet. Just in the in the world of this one movie, I like the approach. I thought it was kind of neat. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking <clears> of a 1990s commercial now, like. Pepsi, the choice of a new scroll generation. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like, I really like uh, Ben Mendelsohn. I thought he was yeah, great. I thought he did a great job I mean, as scroll. far as the lead scroll. Yeah, yes. I like that they put him in as a human form, too. He right. is what re, uh, yeah. what Fury's boss looked like back then. Right. And I turned to Mary at one point and said, that's the guy who plays the lead scroll. Once once you realized it was the scroll, I didn't want to say anything right, at first. Right. I knew right away. I'm like, oh, because I know who's playing him. That's a scroll. It's Krennic. Yeah, yeah, no matter how you put it. I knew that yeah. wasn't going to be, you know, Fury's boss. I knew that was a scroll already. And when right. he leaned in and said, you know, thank you for your sacrifice, and, and they re- they revealed he was a scroll. It was no surprise to me, simply because of the actor. But then I turned to Mary and said, by the way, that's the guy who's under the makeup. And she's like, really? Oh, that's cool. So she thought that was. Neat. And even my daughter had <laughs> leaned into me because when he did that, of course, she realized he's a scroll, and she went to me and she goes, "God, I hate it when you're right. I think you're right about the whole theory you have." <laughs> So I want to go back to my theory that I've I've discussed on this podcast several times. I believe the Skrull have infiltrated Earth and maybe even infiltrated the Avengers. Now everybody's saying, well, now because of the way this movie turned out, that just can't be. That couldn't have happened. I disagree. Matter of fact, I think they've actually set it up to almost imply, if you were paying close enough attention, that it did happen already. That it's already happened. They're already there. And I say that because if you remember the Mendelssohn character at one point says there's thousands of them everywhere on every planet. And I'm like, okay, Captain Marvel ran away with what? Maybe a hundred. When did he say that? Towards the, just before they went up in the ship and she took them off to go find their home planet. He said, Oh, he said he wanted to gather them together. Right. But there's thousands of them everywhere on all of these planets. They're kind of scattered. Yeah. They they don't have a leadership. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But thousands. And they took away maybe a hundred or two. Yeah. And I'm like, that means there's 800 more somewhere on that planet, maybe even more than that, because he said thousands, plural. I'm thinking they only took part of the Earth version. Well, no, I thought he meant out in space there are many. Uh, and I, I see where you could you take that. You know what I'm that. saying? Like, yeah, we're, yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, the and here's the thing. Itch, you know what I mean? Why introduce the scrolls as shape changers if you're not going to use them in the future? Well, that's kind of, yeah, that's you know, where it, I was like. And also, Bob, he also said that there are good and bad. So, right, he did imply right. that at one point, too, that there are scrolls <laughs> that don't get along with like his oh, viewpoint yeah. on things. So he said some got more aggressive. aggressive and So I do think they could go that route. And yeah. I think they could. So I I do think But that's why I don't mind the switch up in this movie. I think it can still be It just be threw me off because I was expecting the bad scrolls to be this right. group. And so you know, I guess it's it, somebody called it the Mandalorian treatment. <laughs> and I'm like I could see that where like Initially on the Clone Wars, the Mandalorians were peacekeepers and everybody's like, "What? Hey, wait a minute." And if you remember because we were in the Mercs at the time, uh, who, who at Filoni had said to us, we are in the works, thank you. Uh, Filoni had said to us, just hang tight. There's going to be an explanation later. It's going to make more sense. You're going to like what we do. But at first, and he literally said to us, at first, you're going to be mad. And I know you are. Just hang tight and hang with me and you'll see why. <clears throat> and once we saw the end point of that, I was like, okay, I accepted what Filoni did. I was okay with it. I just concerned... They don't ever show the angry scrolls, and that's it. That's all we see of the right. scroll in pre-war. But think about it now. Now you set that up for phase four. You don't see the scrolls as being bad guys necessarily. Right. You just see them as oh, they you know they got away. Oh, we feel bad for them. They yeah. come back. You expect them to come back in kind of a neutral position, and they come back. One comes back angry. Evil. They yeah. cast someone new as a bad scroll. It's going to have more impact. 
So I think the act of doing this can set up a greater character. See, now style. Tara made a point after the movie I'd never <clears> even <throat> thought of. And this is why I love her podcasting with us every once in a while. She said, Dad, what if this is just to set up the Super Scroll? Like, what if the setup is the Super Scroll is the angry one? Who then gathers all the angry scrolls together and attacks yeah, Earth I mean, as the Super Scroll Fantastic <coughs> Four comes in that whole nine yards? I'm like, absolutely, that could be the thing. Well, I, I also got a theory too that plays into the End Games too. Okay. When Brie Larson, or I should say, when Captain Marvel comes back, she brings the scrolls along with them, and they assume the Avengers uh, personas. And that whole scene at the end with the walking with the they're all scrolls. They're all scrolls, and they use it to trick them. Yes, it's like a trick. Uh, well, I, I have two theories. That was actually one I was going to kind of say might be the case. I also think, what if Brie Larson isn't Brie Larson? No, she's Cat Marvel. Car- well, that's what I'm, saying. <coughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is, what if one of the Scrolls yeah. impersonated her, came is, back to Earth? Scrolls can duplicate your look, but they can't duplicate the powers. See, that's wrong. In the comic books, they could. The Super Scroll could. No, they all could. When, when, when they did the... Secret Invasion and all that? They, they, yeah. They, they, they See, had their powers. <clears throat> they had I feel their powers. Like, I feel like that goes almost too far. It's like no, it's, an alien species that can then duplicate your unique power well, that you may have gotten through an accident. But it, but here's the thing. See, and they, 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 did, they did say that they, you can't tell them apart from the humans because they're right. already down to the DNA and everything. So right. so if you had the Hulk, who's already, you know, Banner is the is the Hulk too then right I see what you're saying I was about to say that's the one thing about all the Marvel characters that's unique about Marvel versus DC most of the Marvel characters their DNA has been altered Captain America got the super soldier serum changed his DNA Hulk you know he he got hit with gamma rays that changed his DNA you know what I mean so the DNA of almost every character in the Marvel universe is what makes them who they are even the X-Men think about it all DNA related, right? right? It's all so to me, the scrolls having that ability to be right like you down to the DNA means they can also have your powers because your powers are hooked to your <laughs> yeah. DNA. I see them definitely using this in some in some way and to some extent, but I just I think going the route of duplicating a ton of heroes is setting it up for the audience to feel cheated. I don't. Think I, just, t- I don't I, think a ton. I think you're going to see a couple. I, th- I could see some key things being yeah. being used definitely. Um, but that leads me to my idea. I actually had a different theory about that same shot in the trailer of Endgame. We haven't even talked about the Endgame trailer yet, so wait till we get there. Back to Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. Okay, so let's let's talk about some of the characters in Captain Marvel. What do you guys think about Nick Fury in Captain Marvel as the character? He looked like Sam Jackson from the nineties. That, I mean, he... that's the Nick Fury I wanted all this time. Like I felt like. I don't think Nick Fury's been bad up to this point. Oh, not at all. I but like But I think him. we kind of missed part of the backstory behind him. He just showed up, Avengers Initiative, and that was it, and now we're going. And I kind of like, we need his backstory. Well, like, again, it would have been great <clears throat> to have a backstory to him. Yes, and I think the best Nick Fury we got still to this day is probably the one from Winter Soldier. I absolutely where agree he there. Fought back, yeah. Where he was in the car, and they were attacking him, and he was using the gear to fight back. And, and he's getting game. angry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that was a good Nick Fury. He yes. could see his planning and stuff. I like I like Nick Fury and Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier just did everything so well. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Of all the of all the Marvel movies right now, that's the one that I would say is number it's one. It's really in my high head. up. It's yeah. really high up. But anyway, I I thought the way he looked. I mean, my God, I thought I was watching Sam Jackson from Pulp oh, yeah. Fiction or something in yeah. the '90s. I mean, he was perfect, and the look was perfect. I mean, they've gotten so good mm-hmm. at that de aging process. It's it's flawless now. So I never once questioned that I was watching a digital character. I never, right. I never, I never once questioned I, I wasn't. 
I just made the assumption. I'm like, looks good. And I kept going. Right. I thought he was great. And I liked Coulson in this, too. I, thought, I did, too. I liked their approach of giving him, he's kind of back to that blank slate. Yep. He kind of reverted. His, he's gained so much personality since both Avengers and then being on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was neat that as an actor, he wiped that all away. And he went back to kind of that by the book blank slate. I want to talk about Coulson in a second. Well, actually, let's talk about Coulson right now. Because Coulson, I think, is huge. And knowing the scrolls are on Earth is now a huge thing. Because in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one of the big things they talk about with Coulson <coughs> all the time is his trip to Tahiti, right? Yeah, like that's a magical he, place. That's how he came back, right? That's how he came back to life. What if he never came back to life? Right, it's a scroll. It's a scroll. And in the last season, sorry if I'm spoiling it for anybody who has not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm sorry, Eric, I'm going to spoil it for you a it's little okay. bit, but you, I don't think you said you ever were going to be able to get I caught up. I going to catch up. He, he leaves. He leaves. He goes away. And I can't help but wonder if he goes away because the scroll's going back home and now they're about to reintroduce the original Coulson because maybe they've got him you know have technology to heal him and do all that what do you mean the scroll's bring going him back, back home? in well he leaves right agents of shield he leaves with melinda may and he yeah. goes away and he, he tells them i'm retiring i'm done i'm going to die and i will not return and it's kind of weird because May goes with him. And I'm like, but she's not going to die. Why would she leave and go with him? Unless she already knew that he was a scroll, And knew they were going to basically exchange the two back. Because he's on <laughs> for the next season. They have announced that right, right. he's in the next season. It just totally makes sense for them to use the scrolls as a way to explain Coulson away. So what about all that footage they showed of the machines working on his head? And, you know, rebuilding him and from, his, from the flashbacks? After uh, I, being shot from Loki. I think all of that was embedded into the scroll to make it feel realistic for the scroll so he didn't make a mistake in revealing himself, if you get what I'm saying. Like, put it into his psyche somehow. Because it's, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. It seems, S.H.I.E.L.D. messes with heads and, it seems and bodies. Quite, and It seems quite complex. It is. I, I think it would be very complex. But at the same time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., got very complex towards the end. You weren't sure if you were in reality or if you were in the Matrix or whatever they call their right. Matrix, and there they, were a lot of questions about what was real, what wasn't, they, you know. <clears throat> what they did is they used that mind machine that they used in Captain Marvel. Yeah. And Coulson himself. Yeah. They got the memories and stuff that way, and that's right. how, how they went with it. That, that's kind of what I was thinking, too, yeah. What about, going back to Fury, what about the cat... <laughs> Being the reason that I knew, Nick Fury I knew that was gonna had an eye patch. I knew that was going to be the reason. I was just I, wait, I was waiting for it. Yeah, that's what I said to Heather. I just, wish, for the moment. I just wish it wasn't... That was the only... I liked Captain Marvel, but something I noticed a couple times was there was telegraphing going on. Mm -hmm. And it was, I don't think, the fault of the story or even the actors. I put it on the the direction. Right. They they did a couple scenes. Like, the, the, last, the last scene, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about things that happened in the movie. After... Uh, Captain Marvel has kind of defeated everybody, and she comes landing, and she lands, and there's oh, Robert Downey uh, Jr. What's his name? Jan somebody. Jan Rog. Yeah, no, yeah. <clears throat> but played by Jude Law. Jude Law. Thank you. I couldn't think of Jude Law. So there she is. She comes down. She's seeing her old mentor, Jan Rog, mm -hmm. <clears throat> if that name is correct, Jude Law. And he comes up, and he's like, I'm so proud of you, you know? And then he starts doing this whole thing. He's like, now you can beat me. You can beat me with a fist fight. And the thing is, this was a great moment. The moment she, she blasted him without doing any of the fighting and saying, I have nothing to prove to you, was a great moment that was telegraphed too much by the, the directors told him, Jan Rock, the directors clearly made him overdo that scene a bit. Where he's like, come on, come on, you, you know, getting all psyched up. Yeah. And I'm like, they're, they're filming it 
knowing what's going to happen and telegraphing what's going to happen to the audience so that when that blast came, it didn't shock me and it didn't hit me the way it should have. It, sh- it should have been a better, like, more, yeah, moment. And instead, I'm like, oh, she's going to blast him. I'm just right. waiting for, yeah. the, for the Indiana Jones moment. Because and you of watched the... it so many times before that point, you kind of saw it coming, you know, and that, that was the weird part of it. Like, you knew, you expected it. Yeah, expected and it. it was because of the way of the direction telegraphing it. And I think right. they did a couple things like that. The direction telegraphed certain things in the movie. And I, I, I put it all, not on the, again, not on the story. Not on the actors. I just think that the directors were a little heavy-handed at points, and that's the feeling I got. Those were my downsides. But I did like the thing they kept doing, where Nick Fury kept almost getting his eye injured. Yeah, Something right. Would like happen, things would. Yeah. He's like, "No, I'm okay. I'm okay." And I'm just like, "Oh, that wasn't it. Oh, that wasn't it." It was kind of like a hot tub time machine when the guy <laughs> I just had missing this, arm. As soon as we saw the cat, and we knew that it was like an alien creature. I had this inkling. I even said it. I leaned over to Tara and I said. That's going to be Nick Fury's eye right there. I said That's, it on a podcast. Yeah, I, I just I said Goose is going to take his eye. It just it totally made sense. And when everybody kept saying, "Well, the, the character plays a major role," the character plays a major role. I'm like, I said to Tara, I'm like, he's a cat and he's an alien, but there's got to be a major reason, and it would only make sense yeah. If, if yeah. So it was like almost too obvious. I agree with you that it that it yeah happened the way it did. You know, and those are my only problems with the movie was some of the things being telegraphed and some of the moments that should have been really cool, either both funny or cheer moments, being too telegraphed for me didn't ruin the movie and certainly didn't even ruin the moment necessarily just didn't give it the impact that would have had those oh yeah moments you were looking for i think those were the those peak peaks were missing simply because of how it was directed see now my oh yeah missing moments actually had to do with some things that people are complaining about and i hate to say it but i think they have a right to complain about it supreme intelligence i did not like our portrayal of supreme intelligence and I know I'm old school. I wanted to see the way it was in the comics, the almost like a brain-like looking right. creature. You know what I mean? I wanted to see. When they said, oh, the Supreme Intelligence, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to finally see like a Modoc-type moment, right, where we see this creature with this brain. And then we go in, and it's Annette Benning, and I'm kind of like, what? No, that is not Supreme Intelligence. First off, Annette Benning as Marvell was my other problem. Why did it have to be a female? I just don't get it. I don't understand why you had to change Marvel into a female character. It didn't need to be done. It didn't push the story farther, other than it helps make a political statement for somebody. I felt it made a statement to her as a character, too, though. It made a statement as someone she looked up to, uh, that whole connection she had, and that thing that kept pulling back her memory. And I just, I felt it was, I didn't bother, it didn't bother me at all. And it didn't bother me seeing the Supreme Intelligence either, because a lot of this movie, and again, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's way of telling things, the movie was about memories. And the movie was about taking memories or altering memories. And so to make that character be a memory that's trying to pull something out of her, and think about it, they want that information she had. Right. So that's the, the visual they're using to try and re-trigger her thoughts. I think we'll still get an actual supreme intelligence in a future yeah. movie with the Kree. I think it was somewhere else. I don't think it, this is its only form. I think they were just, this is the mind trick it's playing on her. So that's why it didn't bother me is because I still, it doesn't not give us the supreme intelligence later. It's just how they approached her at trying to extract the information they wanted. But like I said, that part didn't bother me as much as the fact that Marvell was a female and that we were trying to use that as a connection. I just... I'm not buying this idea that she never had a male role model in her life that helped her. And to me, that's what I think we were trying to tell. Like, we were trying to, in a roundabout way, say there were no males in her life that helped push her story forward. So we're going to use this character and, and this female role. And to me, that bothered 
the ever-living snot out of me. And I guess it's just because of my political viewpoints, and I just kind of felt like I got an ideology shoved down my throat that didn't fit in. It doesn't fit in the Marvel Universe, the way they tried to pigeonhole that in as Marvel. I think if they'd have left it as the original Marvel, as the guy, as all that, it would have fit, and nobody would have had any complaints at all. Everybody been like, yeah, I love this movie. Strong female character, I'm all over it. It's the way we tried to like wedge that little female thing in that just didn't feel normal to the comics, and and I get it. I get I get the director and producers, and everybody wanted to make a statement. I'm just not sure this was the way to do it. I just don't think that was. I, I don't want to say politically correct. It probably wasn't the right time and place to make the statement. I guess is as is, is where I was bothered by it. Gary, your thoughts? <laughs> I think you're looking into it too much. I probably am reading <laughs> you know, it too much, but... Because I'm, I'm there. It, it didn't bother me at all. Who... Okay. And I'm a fan of the original Captain Marvel, Marvel. Right. I mean, I have those old books and everything. Right. And I know, you know, it's, it... But them, again, I've come to accept that the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't the comics. Right. It's and a, maybe that's my problem. I'm it's still amazingly stuck in my comic accurate. book world. They do some great stuff. Yeah. You know, but let's face it. Jarvis, to me, was a butler. Right, we've never gotten the Jarvis we, Butler, we and got that's a, bothered we me. We got a computer, and but I mentioned that it bothers and, and me. And they tied it into becoming the Vision, and which right. was never the way the Vision was created by right. Ultron differently. By and, Ultron, but yeah. it's all enough working together in the cinematic universe that it works for me. Right, and, and then later on, Jarvis is a computer, though. He is. We, we, he we, is. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, so that that Tony got inspired to make the computer or his Butler into the computer, and therefore, right, and right. Jarvis stood for something too, right? Like it was a, a yeah, yeah, there was a there was an acronym. acronym. I can't remember what the acronym was, but it stood for something. But I guess that's probably part of my problem is I'm still it, it, I live in my comic book world. I'm expecting my comic books come to life, right? And the MCU has never done that. They never have. There's been very few moments where I went, oh my gosh, that's my comic books come right. alive. Captain America was probably one where I felt like almost like 95% of the movies was my comic books come to life. Winter Soldier, to a large extent, did it. And I think maybe that's why I latch on to that one as much as I do. There's a couple others that I feel like Thor, I thought, did a pretty good job of like... Avengers did a bringing good job. My comic books. Avengers, Avengers did an amazing job mm-hmm. of bringing my comic books to life. But then there's ones that fell hugely short of that. And... It bothers me when they do. I mean, it really bothers me when they come short of the comic book expectation I have. Well, if you're going to go that way, then you might as well hate Ant-Man and uh, Ant-Man yeah. and Wasp. Initially, I did. And i got to be honest with you, and we talked about that. The first time I watched Ant-Man, I didn't like it. I didn't at first. If you remember, I said that. But then I watched it a second and third time and went, okay, now it's growing on me. I'm okay yeah. with it. And I think that's maybe my problem is I'm still expecting my comic book versions and it's taking my brain a while to drop what I know and what I've learned and what I've read as a kid. And again, it, I want my nostalgia yeah, moment yeah. as a kid and I'm not getting them. I feel like I'm getting robbed. Oh, I'm, I feel like I'm getting them. I feel like I'm just getting movified versions of them that are not, you know, I don't, if, if I want that exact moment, I'll go read the comic. It's not like I expect them to shot for shot, frame for frame, suit for suit, make the comic over again. Right. But I'm getting Captain America with the shield taken out an airplane. I'm yeah. getting the fight between Tony and Cap and the Winter Soldier, and I'm getting the end of Civil War, which was a fantastic, with Vision flying through the air, firing his la- head laser right, right. at the ground, and, you know, Spider-Man swinging through and taking down a giant man. And I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. You know, I'm getting those moments enough that when they change up certain things for the cinematic universe, I roll with it because I'm like, where are they taking me? I, I yeah. need some surprises. And that's why I didn't mind the scroll twist because it's like, 
Otherwise, I would have just known everything that was going to happen in this movie. And I kind of liked that it twisted it around. I said, okay, so what's happening in the third act? I got to follow now. Because I was very, you know, it got me more interested. Now, you know what I thought was funny is all that controversy about the green suit, right? Oh my gosh, the oh, green yeah. suit, the green suit. It was did the it really? Did it, mean, did it make any difference in the movie at all? No, it was the Cree suit. None. We knew it was the Cree, but we so knew. So for all the craziness that everybody went through, and I was kind of like, and we even said, who cares? It's got. It's probably the Cree suit or whatever, or who cares? And it, it was fine. You yeah. know what I mean? It was absolutely yeah. fine. And then I thought it was hysterical that they take the green suit and make the Captain Marvel suit by out of twisting it. a yeah. knob out of it. I'm like, come <laughs> it's, on. It's high tech. They just right, it was just high tech, you know, well, and, and the, I was good with that. The one thing I did is, like, is when they were making the different suit colors and all that, they even showed the original. Yeah, original. Right. Original, original Captain Marvel suit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the neon one. I was like, that's kind of cool looking, but I did Tara stupid, keep but. it. <laughs> I like that. Ooh, did you, I did see that they released a bit of concept art uh, from... Uh, Endgame, and it looks like Marvel's going to have the sash. Oh, is she really? They're putting the sash with the flow off on the side. Oh, the, that'd be great. On the suit. See, just to bring that, I would. It's love. also been twenty-four years, so right. you got to assume that she's going to have changed some things up, put some things on from her travels through space, change sure. her look. So they, they, I think it's going to be even a little more. And, and the one thing I liked about it, the whole thing is they kept the helmet, head, headgear, whatever yep. you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, with the mohawk yeah. and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. That I was like, yes, 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 yes. The whole way through, I was like, yeah. yes. I thought it was funny, though, this movie, though, too. She, through the whole movie, I'm sitting there going, you can fly. You can fly. She doesn't know. You can fly. You know, it's like... <laughs> the only time they flew was when they were launched. Uh, no, she never really she flew. She never really flew she until the very the water, end. And she didn't right. know the power level. Right. So at the very end, when she finally flew, I was kind of like, yes. yes. Like, you know. <laughs> when she's floating there in the, you know, still in, in the... And I said to Tara, I said, it felt like that Smallville moment, yeah. you know, where you're like, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Mm-hmm. And she finally flies, she's like, oh my God, we've been waiting for the whole movie for that. You know, like, <laughs> I wasn't bothered by it, I just thought it was funny yeah. that, that we never saw her fly till the end, and she finally figured out, oh my gosh, yeah. I can do this, you know? Okay. So what'd you think of the two tags at the end? <laughs> Well, well, I love the last one. <laughs> Anybody that had a cat. I loved it, but somebody. I, <laughs> I loved it. it, but somebody made a point that I had not thought of. What? It doesn't fit in the timeline. It line. does. I saw a thing about it. How? Because you don't know when that's taking place. Just because Fury's in the seat doesn't mean it's after the snap. This that shot pro- could have been oh, two I'm months not later after the snap. I'm saying if the Tesseract is in Fury's office and it's 1990 something. Yeah. They have it when Avengers starts. Correct. They're doing tests on it. But the if you remember, the Tesseract went off into space. No, it didn't. Didn't. It fell into the water. Stark recovered it. Yeah, it, t- uh, it burned it, through the bottom of the plane in, in yeah, Captain America. Uh, it took... It took. Uh, it shot Red Skull away, but it didn't go. It, it didn't fell, go with it. it burned, I thought it went with it. Well, it burned well, um, through the plane. They, remember? They, they, t- t- Tony's father d- dug it out yeah, of the water. They find it in the ocean. Oh, that's right. It's on Earth. Okay. And that's why that's why they're saying Captain Marvel came to Earth. She knew it was here where she could do her tests. That's the whole reason okay. she came Mar- to Earth. Mar- Marvel and snuck into Pegasus because they had it. She could use it to do her tests and then she stole it. Okay. All right. So it does tie fits. in. It does okay. fit. I, so I, had, I had to watch a well, video myself because I was, like, I was getting confused. I was kind of Because like, it's not minute, the yo. one on Vormir. It's not where he got sent to. That's oh, a different okay. one. That's a different it, one. It connected and it shot him away. Okay. But it stayed on Earth because Stark recovers it. Okay, I didn't think of that. Yeah. So you guys just clarified something that I did mm-hmm. not. Because I thought about through. it too for a bit. I'm like, God, where how, yeah, this how does that, that? There's actually a YouTube video I watched which shows the history of the te- of the one Tesseract specifically, right. through the Marvel universe, and it does fit. Okay, all right, it's good to know. I didn't didn't <laughs> but, realize but, that. But like, what I like though is anybody that owns a cat, 
I here's the thing. One of the loudest laughs, laughs I had in the whole movie was that comes up. It's sitting on the desk. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a sad moment. Like Fury's been snapped away. I'm not right. realizing the time yet. And then it goes. And I'm like, I just lost it. That first little heave right, like of little noise. Yes. I lost it. I'm like, oh, he's gonna, it's gonna vomit up the tesseract. Terry ter- <laughs> even goes, here it comes. You know, like. <laughs> and, and, and the best part is, is, is get the, the the slam trail after it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect for anybody own a, ever own a cat and seen it puke. The one thing I would <laughs> thought would have been made it funnier is if 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 Fury had walked up and gone. Oh come on! And like brushed it <laughs> off or something. What, you know what, what, I mean? what would have done done me and even uh, where I'd have laughed harder is if there's like some fur with it. Right? Yeah, like an actual hairball. <laughs> you know, came I, I got it. There, right? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of a triple or something. They you know? missed. They missed out on a perfect, mo- a big moment. It's on the desk. It hacks it up. It lands. You get the big laugh. Yeah. Laughter dies down because the scene's taking a while. Takes its paw and knocks it off the desk. <laughs> it <laughs> should have knocked funny. it off the yeah. desk. Yes, actually, that would have oh. been funny. But what about the first? teaser though the first Loved easter it. egg the idea that she comes back and they're trying to figure out what this signal's <laughs> yeah. doing i love the details they put in like they bypass the battery they're making it right. run longer they're they don't know what the signal's doing but they're sending it out that you know it shut itself off they're they don't like, know re- why they're it like, reboot it off. i want to keep doing it and even black widow's lineup this was important to fury to do is his last thing i want to know what it does right the whole moment was yeah. well done i, I want to know who's behind it and then yeah. she turns around there there, Boom. there, there she, she is, is. Yeah. <laughs> where's fury now, have you guys heard about the controversy in the Disneyland parks about... Uh, good. So this is something that, that I thought you guys might want to know about. And I didn't know about it. I ran across it by accident on Facebook. Apparently, Disney, the weekend of Captain Marvel, put a woman in the park. They showed the front third of a plane. They had her dressed as Captain Marvel to take pictures with people. And the complaint or the comments section of the Disneyland park... And so if you go to Facebook, look this up. There's something like 6,000 comments. Every single comment, get this, was about how hot the woman was and that she should have played Captain Marvel over Brie Larson. And that Brie Larson was cardboard acting throughout the entire movie. And that's where I was kind of like, for the first time, I was actually kind of offended by a lot of what people were saying. Because, I'm sorry, Brie Larson, I thought, did a spectacular job. She was a soldier, so she had that kind of demeanor. She had to be the way she was that's captain marvel and if you don't get that then you don't understand the character nor the history behind the character so to me i was kind of like you people don't get it like you don't understand this girl's not supposed to be all like you you know it's supposed to be somebody who's in the kree army works for the kree is kind of a hard-nosed soldier and that's the way she thinks and i just was really bothered a that they would compare the two people but more of the fact that they thought brie larson was an awful actress and i just didn't get it i mean you guys didn't feel that way right you thought that brie did a great job i love i'm i I enjoyed the character so much i am very excited i'm excited for endgame but i'm excited to see how she interacts with the other characters now i am just that little tease they gave in the endgame trailer which we're going to talk about in a second with thor is enough to make me go oh i want to see this i want to see what she does who she throws down with how they're connected i'm like I mean, I'm all I almost want to see what Black Widow's reaction is yeah. to her <laughs> more than any of the other guys, you know? Gary, what do you, what do you, you know, do you feel like Brie did a good job? Did she do justice to Captain Marvel here? Oh, yeah, but the only problem I got was I seen Kong Skull Island and uh, yeah. uh, Star Wars <laughs> right. the whole time. That's, yeah. what, that's what I kept. It's not because. Wait, of, Star Wars? Yeah. She was in Star Wars? No. Uh, let me explain. You got okay. Sam Jackson and you got Ben Middleton. 
All right, you got uh, yeah. oh, Mace Windu, okay. director, director Krennic. Okay, right. sorry, I didn't, I didn't put those two together. And then, then you see Kong, Kong Skull, Skull Island because yeah. Bree, Bree, Bo- and, and, and Sam Jackson, Jackson and Loki. Well, but Loki wasn't <laughs> well, in the true. Film. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but if he comes back in yeah. Endgame, you're gonna right, have right. oh god, now we got Kong Skull Island right. going on. So. I guess I never even thought of that until you just mentioned it. <laughs> no, now every, every time I watched, yeah. every time I was watching the screen, it's like, okay, where's the big ape coming from? <laughs> right. What do you think of the references? Like, not just the, the Radio Shack and Blockbuster and True Lies, the cutout. Oh, I thought and, they were all great. Um, I liked one of the best ones. I thought was simple was when the scroll came around in the house and is sipping the soda. Yeah, and it's totally Sam Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Same kind of pose. See, no, I, I never got soda. that because yeah. I've never he, seen he looked very much Fiction. like it. The one I liked was the right stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, d- 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 yeah. yeah. Right. I thought that was actually a, a hysterical moment. Now, too. did anyone pick up on this? And you must have because you're big on musical cues. Okay, there was a part in the movie where I'm going like, "Why is this? This movie feels odd to me a bit." I don't know if it's pacing. Like I said, I already had some trouble with the direction, but I was trying right. to place it. And then it clicked, and I was fine with it. Because there's a scene where they're walking through Pegasus when they've gotten mm-hmm. off on their own, and the background music's playing. And I'm like, this is totally incidental music yep. from a 90s movie. Yes. This is not current orchestration style. No. This is a throwback orchestration music yes. that's throwing me off. It's making me feel like I'm watching a movie that didn't just come out, like it's an older movie. And I thought that was some of the direction that was genius. I think they not only tried to reference 80s type thing or 90s type things I think they tried to make a film style that felt like it came from the 90s so that the movie felt older that was mm-hmm. the last thing I was going to talk about but you brought it up okay I went and did some research because I felt the same way I was like the music in this didn't feel right it didn't then I realized that the the first off it was a female director right. for music which is a first time in I think ever in Marvel movies okay she did a brilliant thing she went back to old Danny Elfman some of it's John Williams, not a lot of it, but a lot of Danny Elfman. I'm trying to think of some of the other um, directors from who did the music for Lethal Weapon because it had a lethal it had a little bit of that feel, feel to it. Yeah, yeah, and and other than the pop music you were hearing, which yeah. is very 90s, yeah, yeah, that yeah, she did take some motifs from 90s movies and kind of interweave them inside of this. So there were some kind of like lethal glad, weapon feeling. I'm glad it wasn't um, just me. There were some James Bond feeling moments that I caught on to. So she definitely, she grabbed onto even Batman style mm-hmm. themes thrown in there a little bit. There's definitely a 90s feel to the music. So if you just listen to the music, because I came home, I downloaded the soundtrack right away. I'm like, i got to figure out what is going on with the soundtrack. And I started to realize it's not modern orchestration. No. You're right. It's it's old 90s it's orchestration. Throwback. It's throwback And I think all that was very intentional so that this movie, because, yeah, they're coming out with a movie that's supposed to take place first in the cinematic universe. Well, not first according to Cap America, but like first before the main Before everything else happens, and Iron right. Man and all that. By a good... 15 years or 20 years depending on exactly when in the 90s it takes place but it's happening a month before the most recent movie is coming out right. so I feel like they, they stylistically had to do that to separate it so much so you feel like you watched an old movie and I'd like to point out that even all the way back to Captain America they, the orchestration in Captain America had a 40s vibe yeah. to it so if you weren't into swing music and all that kind of stuff, you didn't like that orchestration at all. But if you were into that old era of music, which I was, I love swing music and mm, I love that big band. Or- big band style stuff. They threw a lot of that into the music for Captain America and it was all over that. And this one, 90s motifs were thrown in all over the place. I and mean, this yeah, is absolutely. one of the reasons I don't like it when I hear people like uh, Terry Gilliam recently came out and he's like, mm-hmm. 
superhero movies are crap and they just need to go away and all right. this. And certain directors bash on them. Yes. And I'm like, I don't think you're really looking at them because there is some serious craftsmanship going on in these. There's some and serious some thought, thought like there's into thought. details yeah. and things. Yes, it's got the, the themes of the comic books and superheroes bashing and flight and superpowers and laser beams and whatever. Right. But there's a lot going on to ground these things that's, I think, extremely well done. And I think it's storytelling more than anything else. The people are missing. They see the special effects and be like, oh, it's crap. Yeah. But there's some good storytelling going on in some of these movies. That's, yeah. that's what I like. Overall, how would you guys rate this zero, don't bother, ten must-see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Where do you think this one lies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What do you guys think? Gary, you want to go Gary, first? You go first? Uh, Gary, go first. Okay, uh, I'm going to say seven. Okay. A solid seven. Okay. Eric, what do you think? I'm, I'm, I got to go a half point. I'm just a little higher than that, 7.5. A seven right. sounds a little too low. Eight sounds a little too good to perfect. Yeah. 7.5, and most of my trouble with it, in terms of being a must-see in the Marvel Universe, yeah, you should see this before Endgame. Go, make right. sure you see it before Endgame. It, yeah. It's a total tie-in, and it tells a lot. But all of my points off, I think, come down to directorial choices that I simply felt were too telegraphed. It took away those peaks mm-hmm. from the, mom- the moments of the movie that would have pushed it beyond for me, that would have made me, like I said, pump my fist or just like you know, get into it or laugh extra loud or something. I felt like the jokes and the action sequences were a bit too telegraphed. Right. They worked. They just could have been a lot better, and I I put that all in the directing style, which again maybe is a bit more of that whole '90s feel, you maybe know. It is. So, but I, I'll I'll set it a solid seven and a half. See, I was gonna say six, and that's because I've always given origin stories for Marvel about that six to seven range because the reality is the first Iron Man was not that spectacular. Being honest, Captain America I think was a little higher than most of the origin stories. Um, Thor, because you're biased. I am biased. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie. It also had Dum Dum Dugan. There's so a Captain I, America sitting right, right in front of you. Well, and it had Dum Dum Dugan, so yeah. I can't. But I mean, I also felt like Thor fell flat as an origin story. I felt like Hulk's origin story kind of fell flat all the way back when it came yeah. out. They, well, they what, all what, kind what, of fall what, flat. Which, which Hulk movie are you talking about? Ang Lee I'm talking or about Ed Norton. Either one, to be honest with you. I think <laughs> well, they both Ed, fell Ed Norton's flat. is the, the actual. Ed Norton was better. That's um, the actual origin story. Right. Yeah, it was better. That's got Tony Stark in it. But I just kind of felt like it fell flat, too. And it I just I feel like all the origin stories always come up a little bit flat, no matter what you do. You have to tell the origin story, and I get that. But there was no wow factor. I just don't know. I walked out of this the theater going, I missed a wow factor in this somewhere, and I don't know where I missed it yeah. or how I missed it. And maybe it's what you're talking about, Eric. Maybe there's telegraph too much, and therefore the wow factor moments got lost somewhere no, I, in that I, escape. I, I, I think it's because you have no investment in the character, that's all. That might be. There's I don't that know. Too. I've never been a huge Captain Marvel fan. I'm being honest. Captain Marvel was always kind of like a background character to me. I mean, you know, and I get it. They want to set her up to be a big deal to help save the world with Thanos and everything else. I just never got that impression of that comic book character that that was the power behind Captain Marvel. They're also leading into the Phase Four. I think they're you know they're thinking way beyond Endgame because what are they, well, they have to be twenty or something they said are planned. You know, yeah. some are yeah. in the pipeline, some are planned. But I think they their plan is to go more cosmic with everything. Well, so I, Captain Marvel is definitely remember we've still got Adam Warlock sitting out there somewhere. That's something yep. you know what I mean. Like we keep leading into these other things. There's been references to Galactus, but we haven't seen him yet. You know, so there's. I still think that's what they're leading up to. I think so too. As the big bad for the next phase. Next phase, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think Silver Surfer comes along, and Galactus is going to be your next big bad boy. You need something threatening the entire Earth. And it would also be a great way to tie in Fantastic Four and all these other crazy people that you're going to bring in at some point. So some people say that we're going to get a Nihilus early, and some people say we shouldn't. 
It would actually make sense <clears throat> to bring Annihilus in first and then bring Galactus. With the multiverse and everything. Right. Especially if that's something that Ant-Man could come across. Absolutely. So before we move on to Endgame, I wanted to just throw in some quick retractions. In a previous episode we did, uh, <laughs> one or two ago, it was very recent, uh, we talked about Alita. Battle yes. Angel. And I actually had two bits of information wrong, and I don't like being wrong about things like this, <laughs> so I wanted to convey them. One, I thought that Alita Battle Angel, the manga, was all the way back in um, the 80s, and it's mm. not. It actually came out in 1990. Oh, really? Um, so it's a little more recent than I thought. Also, I said that it never had an anime adaption. It's a manga that never had one and went straight to movies. It yeah. actually had two episodes, two half-hour episodes made oh, really? of a mini-movie, I guess, about it that uh, were done. I've never seen them. I don't know how they were. Obviously, they're not mainstream, mainstream or, or break yeah. the bank great because you don't hear about them much. But I had those two bits of information wrong previously, and we here at the Galaxy Cast like to get our information right Absolutely when we're not we speaking opinions. So <laughs> there you go. Okay, so the second thing we wanted to talk about tonight was the second official trailer for Avengers Endgame. And apparently it's the last one we're going to get before the movie. Is it really the only one we're going to get before the movie? That's what they've said. That's unbelievable. And from what they've said, and I can't buy this, they're saying everything you're seeing is within the first 20 minutes of the movie. Everything they said they've released apparently as social media information, videos, trailers. I actually buy it. I actually buy it. Them in the suits, though, and we're going to get there, being that early in the movie seems a bit of a rush to me, but... Well, I have a, a theory not if there's about a those. massive battle at the end, but I also got a theory about the whole trailer. So let me start yeah. with that. Okay. So first thing I'm noticing. Yes. We're seeing shots from both current movie and the past. Yep. All the past shots are black and white, except for the color red. Right. Which implies what? The soul stone. Reality stone. Or reality stone. Right. That's red. So no, because wasn't the soul stone when she was strapped in and it was red? No, I believe it was the reality stone. It's red. It says it's the reality stone. The soul stone's orange. So it's the reality stone. It's the reality stone. Okay. So apparently, I think it ties into the stone color. I think so, too. I mean, it could just be a, a visual, but it seems like that I, would tie well, in. Well, I, I think it ties in in that, as I had said early on, I think he accidentally activated the reality stone, not the stone he thought he reacted. Remember, he just got the gauntlet. He's not sure how to use it. He's made a different reality. I think he's, yeah. I think he's altered the reality plane, and that's why when he snapped his finger... Um, these characters don't die because in reality nobody does because every all the entire reality is altered. And that's why when Doctor Strange says there's like, what, four million, whatever, many thousand, and the Avengers only went in one, and that's because reality has only been altered in one. Right. So that's where I say, I, I think you had posted that online, Eric, and on Facebook, and I kind of went, yeah, that makes sense, actually. I thought it was interesting that they show Clint for the first time. With a family. With a family, and that obviously is back in time. No, 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 no. People are Don't saying this shot is right as the snap happens. People are wondering if you see the rest of that picnic sequence and the snap and happens there. she it, disappears, yeah. maybe? Right, and, yeah. and this is the first time they showed his family. Well, no, we've seen his family. We've seen his family, you're right. But what I'm saying is the <clears> first, I, I think they actually, I, I I don't know. Maybe they're, I think they're looking back in time even farther than that one Avengers movie where they ended up. At the farm. I, I don't but know. How maybe old I'm was wrong. his daughter? His daughter wasn't very old in that movie. Right? I guess that's true. So you're saying maybe his daughter, that's his daughter and no, not his wife. His, I think that's his daughter's wife's in See, the background at the picnic table. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Now, who do you think Cap is burying? That's a shot from him carrying, uh, what's her name's casket? Yeah. Uh, oh, Agent Carter. Carter's, Carter's yeah. casket? Yeah. Again, it's a, you know it's a past shot. Oh, I totally shot forgot about that. Because, yeah, yeah, it's, because of the red. it's a black and white with the red. Yeah. Because <clears throat> Asgard's gone, but we're seeing all these shots. And you're right. The It's very prominent that red is the color that they keep yes. emphasizing in every single composite shot of black and white. 
And I, that's where I think you're right. I think that's giving away which stone is actually being emphasized here and, and what the point is. And then I thought it was interesting, like, as we cut into scenes and we're looking at actual characters, here's Hank Pym looking at missing... Scott Lang. Or Scott Lang, excuse me. <laughs> I keep doing that. Uh, looking at missing persons. Yeah. But the house in the background, I think it's his house. It's his house. That's how long he's been gone. Right, right. Because of the overgrowth and stuff. I think he's been in... <laughs> his his multiverse yeah. for so long that it's it's taken well, some that are, long. some people are saying it's been like you figure one summer a house could look like that without right. being maintained. I think he's been gone a few months. Yeah, and I think the movie starts months after the snap has happened. I almost if say, not a year. I, I want to say almost a year. Yeah. yeah, I would think a year's gone by and people are trying to still cope with the idea yeah. that they're the only ones left. And actually, behind. I'll say a year because it gives time for him to go all Ronin like he's been doing right. and all that. Now a lot of people were surprised you see Rocket on War Machine War Machine's shoulder and I was like why is that a surprise Rocket's been left behind he's with him right like why wouldn't he be hanging out with these guys and getting used to working with them and to me it just makes sense that if he's left behind he has no other option he stays I think that's going to be a great interaction there's a gosh darn talking raccoon walking around the Avengers compound and they're just like what do we do with this guy (laughs) what do you think of uh, the new look. I thought it was cool. I, I love the like grunge look they got going yeah, on. I, I just the, the mohawk. The mohawk. Yeah, he's just got a really grungy, grungy look, and I love that look mm-hmm. about him. And yeah, I just I don't know. I love what they're doing with with mm-hmm. Ronan. I really do. And the whole trailer is just setting up. We don't give up. We do you know whatever it takes. We do whatever it takes. I mean that's the theme of the right, trailer. Whatever, whatever it, takes. it takes. And the last one they leave on is Tony Stark, and he, they give a dramatic pause before he says his line. I thought it was interesting. They really focus on Cap's shield, shield, and then he's got this really dirty face and like yeah, he's he's going through battle. Yeah, like to me, I that's why I say that's maybe the only shot I think that maybe isn't in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, that looks like that might be in the middle of the end. The actual, you know, right? And there's something in a cave and fire and lava and a switch. Yeah. But then, okay, so here comes the important scene. So you've We're got the, the end of the we've seen now. this shot before. Yep. But you got to remember, the last time they showed this, they weren't wearing these uniforms. Right. These uniforms have been added. I start wondering how much of this shot, and I've said this on Facebook, and I had a couple likes, but so how much of this shot is pulling the Wakanda jungle shot from last year's in- yeah. Endgame, or uh, Infinity War trailer? Right. I don't think these are the actual characters we see in this scene. I Because here's the thing. That right now we're looking at a still of Tony Stark and Nebula walking with them. Right. That's a heck We're of a... We're supposedly off in space. That's a heck of a reveal to put in the trailer that they made it back and they're okay when so much of your marketing, including even in the beginning of this trailer, right. is playing up the dramatic Tony lost in space angle. Right. I just feel like this is a troll, but the same way they trolled us the last time. Not in a bad way. I think they're, they're trying to not give things away. They're giving you cool imagery while not necessarily giving you exactly what's in the movie. Now, also remember in this shot last time, is there a wide angle of this in this trailer? Go back no, a little bit. there's not actually. It all starts up high? It's all really close. Because Rocket was walking with them last time in, in the previous trailer. He was walking at their feet. And I don't think these guys were, if we go back to that shot, if you bring up the uh, Endgame trailer, trailer 1, <clears throat> this, this has been changed. Yeah. So if they're changing it already, who's to say it's not going to change more? Well, and I, that somebody put online, and and I didn't even realize it. There was a cartoon version of the Avengers where they do go into space and they wear spacesuits and all that, and they showed it almost like frame for frame, shot for shot, and it's pretty much the same shot by shot. And somebody said they wouldn't do that. 
you know what I mean? Like, actually, they wouldn't do that in the real life because right. they've never gone frame by frame, shot by shot in any comic book, towards any movie, towards anything. So why would they right. do it now unless... Okay. Well, that's why I think the, the shot with the, those new uniforms, Yeah, I think what you're seeing is actually scrolls. As they're walking along, they just take on the persona of... I'm almost wondering if they do that and send them into space to right. go fight, right? Um, just to show Thanos' people that the Avengers are still around, even yeah. though they think they've all just, you know, half yep. of them have disappeared. And so they want to put on the illusion that they're dead, but right. but they're not, you know what I mean? So they have to do something to keep the illusion alive that the Avengers are still around. Oh, yeah, they do show Rocket walking with them. Now, can you tell, does it look like Gamora and Tony no, are with them? No, Tony and Gamora are not in that shot. I think they're they're changing this up Neither multiple Scott times. Scott Lang. Now, here's a question. Scott Lang's not in that shot either. <clears throat> These shots could be all in the movie. And it is a Super Bowl commercial, by the way. If it's repeating time. If we see oh, the same yeah, thing yeah, yeah. happen several times. If the reality times, stone's broken and, and, and we're seeing different realities. variations, those could be the Avengers uniforms in another reality. Right, right. They're not space suits or unique suits. What if it's their uniforms? So it's we could be seeing... The fact that they're showing alternate variations of shots could actually be... We might even see that jungle Wakanda shot in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Because Could of, you imagine they keep going back and, like, almost uh, groundhog daying the whole thing? There, you know it what could I mean? be like, something like that. That would actually be funny, crazy, and, like, wild all at the same time. And I don't know if my brain could handle all of that. And what if all of a sudden they show a shot and it's like they get, for one shot, all the old X-Men? <laughs> that, what's that his name? What's his name? Who played Scott Summers? And, yeah, and, and they bring them all back. Brian Singer's version. Brian, of the yeah, all yeah. Brian Singer's version of all of them. James right. uh, or Logan and Wolverine. All, yeah, all of them come James back. Mars- <coughs> Marsden. James Marsden or Marsden's his last name. Yeah, Scott Marsden. Scott. No, whatever it is. Uh, anyway, Scott Summers is his name. Anyway, James yeah. Marsden. Uh, and and you get Hugh Jackman and just for one yeah, shot, just for one like shot, an edit and they're doing something and it cuts away and it's another reality and. I think they if could they do brought some... the original Fantastic <coughs> Four back. That would be hysterical. I think Peter Chiklis and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then you'd be you'd already have Chris Evans there. <laughs> How crazy would that be? I don't know. Like, I don't know awesome. if they'll do it, but but it would be an awesome. There's tribute. some stuff. It really, they, there's some be. interesting stuff they could do with this movie. They may they go could. that route. I think they'll avoid that. But anyway, I'm, we might be seeing alternate realities in yeah. that shot. Yeah, because the, the one thing I, I noticed was Rhodey was bulkier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, with that armor on. So it's like, is he wearing like a Hulkbuster armor? Yeah, right. The other thing is you don't see Banner at all. We've right. not seen any of what Banner becomes, and everyone is sure that he's becoming Smart Hulk. He's becoming... Well, I think he is. I, I, Professor Hulk. Makes great Professor Hulk, you want to call him. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he's they're leaning in that direction. They have actually actually admitted that this is the most anticipated movie since The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I can believe it. And I'm actually kind of wondering if whether if this might actually be more anticipated than The Empire Strikes Back when it's all said and done. I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I know it's gonna blow. It's gonna blow box office records oh, off the wall. It's gonna, yeah, it's it, gonna it's, be insane. It's gonna blow them out of the water. And I just can't imagine another film in the future being able to do. It's gonna take a while. What Endgame, you know, second Endgame is gonna do. I agree with you. It's gonna take a while. Maybe a whole generation before yeah. we see another movie that can blow a box office record like this. You know, you know, what, you know what I could see doing it? Five to ten years from now, they get the original Harry Potter cast to come back to play themselves older and they tell a new movie. Maybe. Something like that could would get a huge... You'd get all the kids who read it, all the adults who watched it, all the people, kids who are still reading it and growing up on it. it a movie like that in ten years could I've be... I've been thinking, like, the only other good. thing that maybe could, depending on how they end it, if you wait five years and do a Game of Thrones movie, 
that goes back and tells the origin stories, right? Well, I could totally see them. It's supposed to be the. I know that's the other show. I'm saying, what if you did a movie too to tie it all together and you know what I mean, wrap it all up? I could totally see that movie being a big thing, like you know, Dragon Age movie with Game of Thrones could be just as big as as this, maybe, maybe. But I just I. I don't know if many people that aren't anticipating this movie, no. even including my wife, who just really wouldn't care normally, is actually like, okay, I got to watch the second one because I watched yeah. the first one and I have to see how this thing ends. Mar- so. Mary has been anticipating it since the snap last year. She's, <laughs> she's like, we got to wait a year. I'm like, it'll go by quick. My son was just like, I can't <clears throat> believe half the people like that. That just he couldn't get over it. Yeah, and I, I knew it was coming, but I didn't want to ruin it for them. So, so let's talk the end of the trailer. Last okay. shot. Thor is standing there. Or Captain Marvel standing there. Thor walks up to her, puts his hand up near her head, so that Stormbreaker comes flying up and catches right next to her head. Doesn't even flinch. Yeah. He looks her in the eye. She looks him. Actually, she kind of smiles at yeah, him while it's him, going on. She gives him a little smirk after it happens. We're watching it right now. So she, he's staring at her. She looks at him. She she smirks the tiniest bit, and he goes, I like this one. So, is it Stormbreaker? I, I've been looking at this several yeah, times. Yeah, it's, it's Stormbreaker. It's okay, Stormbreaker. it is, yeah. I thought it was the original Hammer at first, the first time I saw it. I, like, yeah, I didn't realize Baker. at the end. I hadn't really watched it. Yeah. You see the big grin Thor breaks out in his face from the wide shot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I didn't yeah. notice that before. He's like, I like this one. Then he smiles yeah. really big. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to how Captain Marvel interacts with them and how they work that in. I'm looking forward to all the variations we're going to get, I think, maybe in realities. I'm looking forward to probably some of the biggest action sequences we've ever seen in a film. I'm looking forward to an ending that's going to probably leave me broken. <laughs> and, and the rumor is that you're, there are reveals we haven't even been told about. Oh, yeah. There are characters there that are going to show up that you're not expecting, <clears throat> that you're not it, that are going to blow people's minds. You're going to be like, wait a minute, why, where, how? You know, like, it's, yeah... That's what I'm, I'm hearing, that there there are going to be people that show up. They're going to be like, I can't believe they just did that. You heard about the running time? Yeah, three hours. They're thinking it's going to be a three-hour movie. Three hours and 20 minutes is what I've heard. I didn't hear the 20 minutes. Almost three and a half hours. I know, I've also heard that they're definitely thinking of putting in an intermission in, like yes. a 10 minute. Well, there's going to have to, believe it or not, even in our technology age, they have to switch over the USB. Yeah, I can believe it. That's a huge movie. Because <laughs> it's a huge movie and a huge file. And they said they don't have the technology to send it that size of a file via internet yet. So they're having to send USBs by, everywhere. By USBs everywhere. Yeah. So that, I'm, and they want to cap it. They don't want people to see it oh, outside of, of right. Yeah. So, so they need some control. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm. I'm thinking this movie is going to be fantastic. I hope. I mean, I it, hope. Could, it I could mean, suck. It could be the it first sucks bus. And all, yeah, I was going to say, if, if all this anticipation gets built up and it doesn't yeah. meet everybody's expectations, uh, I don't know if you come back from that. I mean, but here's the thing. So what have the Russo brothers done? They did Winter Soldier. Yeah. They did Civil War. Yeah. They did Infinity War. Mm-hmm. They are three for three, and in my opinion, knocking it out of the park. Every time. Yeah. With, with massive casts, great action, and good stories. Yep. And lots of humor. So I'm hoping for four for four. I, I just can't see how they can. No, I just thought of something that we didn't talk about back in uh, for Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. Yeah, right. The Stanley. Oh yeah. Oh, the cameo. Both, cameo. both the cameo and the opening. Well, right. I, and you heard, well, Kevin Smith. Yeah. I, I, I brought. I was brought to tears. I hadn't even seen the movie yet, and Kevin Smith was like. I'm in tears. I can't believe I'm in Stanley's cameo, yeah. even though I'm not. Yeah. So I knew there was something going on, but the fact that he was looking at the Mallrats yeah, Mallrat trailer, strip. I'm like, strip. oh my god! Which is really his first ever cameo. It was, was Mallrats. It was so they're very paying tribute first. to his first ever cameo. 
And the fact that Kevin, like, he lost it. He says, I was, he, he was a bawling mess yeah. in the theater. When they were watching it, he said they, the, his wife was sitting there going, Kevin, shut up, Kevin, shut up. Because he just couldn't, he was the whole time, he's there going, like, he just couldn't, and I can't, I mean, as close as Kevin was to Stanley, I can only imagine the feels that he had for that. I was in tears watching the tribute at the beginning. The fact that they've changed uh, over. Just, and I, I hope it's I the same for uh, in Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. I hope, I they, hope they do it too. I just, oh my gosh, Stan Lee is Marvel Comics. And I don't care what anybody says from this point forward. Is and always will be. Um, <laughs> I just watched today a, a documentary about his life. And I was just like, there's, there's not enough words in this universe to describe this man and the thing he did for our lives. And... and for all of us geeks who who had nowhere to go, and this man provided a place for us, and without judgment, without you know, I just I can't I I don't have words. That's the stupid thing of it all. And I was so blown over by the idea that they they took a whole beginning of an intro and made it all about him. Yeah, and I, I was like, yeah, I didn't expect that when I saw it. I was actually I didn't either. Up. Yeah, you're right, Gary. I totally forgot about that. And, and here's I, the thing. I I know the reality of the man. Mm -hmm. I know that the people have issues with him. I know he did some shady business dealings. There's artists who felt like their work was, you know, who not not necessarily felt it. It's kind of proven that certain things were not given the credit they were should have given to. But Stan Lee, in the end, is the iconic face of Marvel Comics. He's that image that people think of. And in that regards, he brought a face to the company that could have just been this big faceless entity other than the heroes. And so to me, that humanization face is extremely important, and it is a very good tribute. And I get it. You know, people like Jack Kirby (laughs) and others who who have been upset over years, and I get it. And Kirby is a huge part of the Marvel Universe. Absolutely. I I don't think... Deserves his credit. Without Kirby, there's no Captain America. Without Kirby, there's no... You know, half the groups that we look at are are, are just Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby. But at the same time... Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko is a huge part of... Absolutely. But, you know, at the same time... Stan was the one in public yeah. putting his name out there, too. And I think that's the part a lot of people forget is he was the one publicly going out, talking at universities, giving speeches, lectures, going to Congress to talk about the Comic comic Book Authority Association, whatever that thing comic was called. Code. Co- comic Code is, uh, uh, you know, trying to talk to them about what comic books are versus what they aren't and what they aren't doing to society. Um, you know, in this documentary, I... I I didn't realize how much comic books had come under attack in the 1960s. I mean, they were blaming juvenile delinquency on comic books. And I I just, you know, today I kind of chuckle because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, in our modern world of juvenile delinquency, comic books are the least of our concerns right now. You're kidding? Parents would be like, they're reading. I love it. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) Which I just find interesting that, you know, it just shows you that the world has changed that much that all of a sudden comic books are are an expected part of our culture. So. Okay, so that's our thoughts on the Captain Marvel movie. We'd love to hear what you have to say. That's our thoughts on the Avengers Endgame trailer number two. We'd love what you hear what you have to say. And we're going to go watch the next episode for us of Star Wars Resistance. And we'll be back just after this break to talk about Star Wars Resistance. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. Have you ever needed to cry, but just couldn't produce the tears? Maybe you're a kid looking to get more attention and free stuff. Or maybe you need to go to a funeral for someone you really don't like. Introducing Onion Eye Drops. Because we believe the world could use just a little more tears. Disguised as regular, boring, run-of-the-mill eye drops, 
Onion Eye Drops is the premium moisturizer for the eyes of the absolute coldest of hearts. They're so effective that even Jason Statham swears by them. A lot. Just squirt in a couple drops and you'll be crying more than a grown man does while watching Terminator 2. Not made with real onions. Users who experience waterworks for more than four hours should consult a doctor. Eye drops may cause a stinging sensation, which may result in tears. Tears are not guaranteed. May result in the Zika virus. Find onion eye drops next to the salty bandages at a store near you. Hi, I'm Sue Murray, and I want to be your next governor. I know how to lead from the front. I used to be a school teacher. I know what's best for San Andreas. Many of our leaders aren't doing their homework or studying like they should. You're not living up to your full potential. I know how to use third grade academic terms and talk down to a room of hyperactive, immature morons to get what I want. I can get things done. I'll make sure the 1% looks after the rest of us like they should. That you get what you deserve from people that work hard. Vote for me for governor. It's the Darth Vader collector's case from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. You can display it or open it up into an action figure storage unit. It holds up to 31 action figures like Bosk, Lando Calrissian, and IG-88. Action figures each sold separately. There's even a handy chamber for accessories. And it's got a hidden handle, so you can take it with you. Darth Vader collector's case from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. New from Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review Season 1, Episode 8 of Star Wars Resistance titled The Platform Classic. So, there's a race. Finally. And that's the episode. Good. We're good. <laughs> well, I find it funny that last episode that we recorded, we complained, at least when we recorded about Resistance, we complained there was nothing about races. Here we are on this platform. Supposedly it's all about racing. And yet we have yet to have an actual race on the platform. We saw part of a race in early one on. of the episodes early on. We've met some racers. Never actually had a race. So like I said, I kind of felt like this was a Star Wars episode one that was missing... The pod racing. <laughs> yes. And so we finally get a race. And this one's uh, made a little more interesting because it's not just a race. It's a race between two brothers. 
between Doza and Jaeger. his brother, or Jaeger, excuse me, and his brother who is uh, Speedstar. Right? Speedstar. Uh, and we don't really know his real name, right? I'm assuming uh, Speedstar they, is some sort they, of special name that he made. Yeah, because at one point, the little, the green assistant there, K- K- Kazuto. Kazuto. I want to say Kazuto. Kazuto sa- you know, says, like says something, and they're like, you you thought that Speedstar was his real name, you know? And it's clearly a, a, a nom de plus or whatever he, he takes as a, in his racing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an act name that he puts on for yeah. racing. Yeah, his full name is Marcus Speedstar, but it's pretty obvious that that's it's not Speedstar. Not it's, Speedstar. It's, it's Marcus, whatever Jaeger's last name is. Right, they're brothers, right. But and you find out that when they arrive, Jaeger doesn't like him. hasn't spoken to him in ten years. Apparently, he has a big issue with him and thinks he's selfish and only wants to win for himself and cares about fame and fortune and nothing else. I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think that Speedstar is um, who's Jeff Gordon, right? Who's the one that had the <clears throat> kind of the attitude chip on his shoulder during NASCAR, right, Gary? Uh, yeah, that's kind of the or or maybe depending on what kind of a fan you are, either that or you see them as Tony Stewart, right? He was the other one who always had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, about racing. So it's kind of like he has this mentality or chip on his shoulder that he's like the best thing since sliced bread when it comes to racing. But it, you get this impression that Jaeger could beat him with his eyes closed at this point, you right. know, and 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 so. It's interesting that Doza calls him up to the office to talk to him, and yet it seems like our main character... See, the problem is... Kaz, thank you. Our main character, Kaz. I kept wanting to say Ezra. I'm like, no, that's... No, it's not Ezra. Kaz. Kazam. So our main character, Kaz, seemed to know before they even went up there that Doza was going to ask him to race his brother. Am I wrong? Like, I got the impression... Well, he didn't know they were brothers. But he knew that he was going to ask him to race. No, he knew that one of the best racers in the galaxy was coming. Okay. And he thought, I think, that it would inspire him to actually race race him to prove he's better. I think he didn't realize they were related. He just thought, oh, this guy's coming. He's a top-notch racer. So do you think, like, maybe it got around the platform that this guy was coming and the speed star was coming to race? Yeah, there was rumors. Like like rumors and vibes that something was going on. You know, it's funny that Kaz is all this, like, happy little go-lucky kid right up until he realizes that there's some sort of weird family connection yeah. here uh, that doesn't work out in his his, his uh, favor, I guess. I thought it was interesting that Jaeger outright refused right up front <coughs> to yep. even get involved in a race at all. Yep. You know, I, I think that helped us with that persona that Jaeger has, that he's just, that's not what he's into. It's not, he's not into racing anymore. And finally... The realization comes that he needs to get into the race because he he doesn't want his brother to be shoving him around and well the, the brother comes to visit them while they're working in the garage and right. he and his brother go off to talk alone and again they kind of re and this was my biggest problem with the episode was they really repeated the theme all the way through the episode right like they hammered it home I'm here to talk to you I don't want to talk to you you're only thinking about yourself fame and fortune yeah I used to that's not me anymore right wash rinse repeat wash rinse repeat they like kept playing those basic themes well and they kept coming back to the story about Jaeger's family they didn't get to what the story was but they kept kind of like circling the water hole on that one and then eventually they get to well you find out that well the first thing you find out when Kaz is talking to him is is that star uh, speed star cheated Right. He had used a, Some a sort of special additive formula yeah. that he wasn't supposed to. He couldn't control the ship and he crashed. And when he crashed, he bumped his or crashed into his brother's ship. Ship, right. So obviously there's something going on there. And then it becomes even clearer that later on he reveals <coughs> that 
he killed Jaeger's family in the crash yes. somehow. And that, somehow. Now, I'm trying um, to figure out how. I'm still figuring that, I'm trying to figure that out. Unless, how they were, too, like, unless they were watching from a platform and it was right I'm still wondering the if race. they crashed into the platform. Yeah. Like Jaeger crashed into the platform and he killed his own family by accident. Something. I'm, you know, that would be terrible to have your own racer go into your family, and that would be pretty devastating. And I could see where that would tick me off to yeah. the point that I wouldn't want to talk to my brother. Absolutely. You know, and I thought it was... I mean, there was that one part in the episode where he was cleaning the windshield, and he's like, yeah, this is where I washed off part of my wife. And I thought right? that, was, like, that was a little too far. Right? But. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> I did think it was kind of weird, though, that at the end, he was really quick to, like, pull off of the race and let his brother <clears throat> yeah. win. Well, like, first eh. of all, he was quick to get into the race. He seemed right. like, no, 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 no. And then, and then he was all like, yes, took, I'm in. All it took was a little bit of Kaz and the assistant lady there, who I can't think of her name either, yeah. egging him on a little bit about, well, I guess your brother's better than you. And that's all it took for him to go storming off and find his brother and say, okay, I'll challenge him. I'll prove to you. You know, yeah. this is all he's about. He'll back down. I did think that was an okay cover, saying he didn't really, he didn't really think he was going to race him. He was convinced his brother would back out. Right. So he goes off looking for his brother. In the meantime, we find that his brother has done some shady dealings and owes some people money who have shown up on the platform. Which I find it interesting that they're allowed to walk around with their rifles, just right, was, right into the yeah. bar, and no one, no security's coming up to stop them. About, yeah. yeah, no security's stopping them. No one's confiscating their weapons. You know, they just go right up and they take someone hostage. Right. You know, I, I thought from that was the bar too. Right. But I guess the place is kind of rough and tumble place. I don't know. Maybe it happens all the time. And so we find out that he needs to win this race to get the money to pay off and save this guy, just as his brother Jaeger shows up and then challenges him, and he doesn't back down because he can't. What do you guys think of that <laughs> subplot line, though? That that uh, they have he has to save Oplock in order to you know he has to win the race to save Oplock from the Guavians. Did you like the way they they? I felt it. It was fine. I mean, they they needed it. It couldn't be something like a, he just owed him money, right? Or it couldn't be they're holding someone he cares about that we haven't met. It had to happen right in front of us, I guess, right. to kind of make the immediate stakes. But it also, by happening right in front of us that quick, felt heavy-handed. And that's kind of what I felt about this whole episode. It was basically a heavy-handed brothers fighting, heavy-handed, all you want is fame, heavy-handed, now i got to save my best friend, my friend, who might be killed if I don't win the money. It, it just all felt like it could have been... This is something that I felt should have been told over two episodes. Right. A setup with the brothers, the the guy being stolen at the end, mm-hmm. like kidnapped at the end, and the second episode leading to the race when the and the reveal happening later that he's got to he's got to win the race because yeah. of the thing. It just it was told too quickly. And you could have generated angst over it too. <coughs> or if you're going to do it in a half hour, then Oplock had already been taken by the Guavians, or maybe that happened right at the beginning. Right. And then we go into the episode. Yeah. You know, I just I agree with you. It just felt forced. It, everything felt rushed. Gary, what did you think of that that side story of Oplock being? Oh, the whole brother rinse brother race there didn't need to happen in my yeah. opinion. Right. There's enough racers on this platform that they should have done it with that. I get it. Instead of bringing in felt some, like a fourth story. Yes. Okay. Here, here's your race. No, no, no. We're going to go back to this other crap that we're and going to go. It, and it's with. not even someone who wronged you. It's your brother. So let's introduce your family. Yeah. You know, it's like, what about the guy dressed as a stormtrooper? What about the other racers that right. we're not hearing about? That, what that, the heck happened to what's his name? Uh, yeah, the red uh, racer. No, uh, uh, hype Phazon. Or hype Phazon. What's yeah, he yeah. even doing? I didn't even see him in the episode. Yeah, he, I don't, he, he wasn't. He, in he was racing, but he was. He was way in the back. Talk. Yeah, but he was. He's supposed talking. to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, what I mean. It's like, okay, we got like what? Six, seven racers here on this platform? Yeah, we focused on three. Well, not that, but he brought in a, a complete... New character. New character that we're never going to see again. Yeah. yeah. If, or if we do, it's going to be like one of those, oh, two and a half seasons later, maybe pay off. 
I yeah. thought it was interesting that they emphasized Griff Holleron, which is the guy with the TIE pilot helmet. Yeah, he was the one we he saw the most. He seemed to be a big deal, and yet I feel like we've had no backstory on him, nope. no information on him. Have we even heard him talk? No. no. And I know there's an actor who plays his voice. Yes. But we've not even heard the guy talk. Yeah. Stephen Stanton voices him, but I don't think we've really heard Stephen Stanton talk. Unless yet. they were talking that one sequence with hype when they got into the lounge and the people maybe. were sitting around. And maybe he, he may have, have said a couple there. lines or yeah. a few words, but, but he's very, not had any character development right. yet. I don't get it. And and we were supposed to. Be, I think we we're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, he's you know hurting people and taking him out of the race. But I didn't feel that angst at all because who is this guy? We yeah. don't seem to care about it, him. It was like a uh, uh, Star Wars Mario Kart. I, you know, I was about to say the same thing, actually. Well, and they kept having to explain all the different phases. The fact that, oh, we finished phase one where we go around the platform. Yeah. Now we're going to go up in space, you know, and now we're going to fall from space. Yeah. Phase three, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It felt forced the way they were trying to explain yeah. every phase <laughs> of the of the race. It just felt awkward. And I mean, I like the phases, don't get me wrong, but did you really need to, instead at the beginning, you could and have again, said phase one, two, and three, phase one, you go around I, the ring. I phase think that's something that could have, that could have been tied into a two episode story where they could have tied it in a bit like, you know, say there's a scene where they're working on the ship preparing right. for he's agreed Jaeger's agreed to be in the race and the mechanics are helping him get his ship ready and he's like you gotta make sure the engine ignition is blah right. why because of phase three right. what's phase three well that's when they cut our engines right Boom. cut away to a commercial break and you know yeah. whatever you just you played it up and you build up you, you needed to build up more anticipation to this apparently gigantic race and the fact that Jaeger was finally gonna race after all this time right and they didn't it just happened he's in it there's the race, there's the brother, and it just, it all was jammed into a half hour episode. I agree. I thought it was really awkward that all of a sudden Jaeger had the ship <laughs> out of nowhere. Where was the ship this time? I think whole they've time? mentioned the ship before. He's not, because early in the, like, the first episode, they, they mentioned, they mentioned about him having a ship in the, in the because, hangar somewhere. Because he wasn't allowed to use it when he did his race. Oh, yeah, Kaz yeah. couldn't use it. He had to get a different ship. So they've mentioned it briefly, or they at least alluded the fact that there's another ship, his good ship or something, but. Well, he have, must have one heck of a hangar that he can hide a ship from everybody and nobody knows it's even there. I mean, I just, he's, I don't know. He's got a big hangar. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what she said. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that everybody knows it's there except for Kaz. Yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. Even Doza probably knows yeah. it's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he knows he's a ra- I mean, he knows he raced before and knows he has the ship. That's why he asked him. What do you think Doza thinks of the ending here where Jaeger pulled off and let his brother win? And I think he feels... Um, betrayed. Yeah. A bit. I think he I'm wondering wanted, if that's the case. He wanted too. a local celebrity, someone to, who to would win the race, a, yeah, like an who could draw in champion. more, you know, tourism stuff. And I think he's just kind of upset that you you blew what I thought you'd win. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we kind of all, you know, we've, we've <coughs> talked everything. I, I mean, the whole show is almost about the race itself. And that's the other thing is I did well. Let me say this: I didn't like the end. I also didn't like how he lost the race because he clearly threw it. Yeah, which all that would cause is upset. I think he needed to slow down just enough so the other guy passed through ahead of him. Right. But the fact that he pulled off, you know, to me was like yeah. too blunt. It's like everyone would go, why? He just threw the race. Right. But no one seemed to even identify with that or to, to, to recognize it or to, you know, acknowledge it in any way. Well, because it happens all the time. Uh, apparently. <laughs> apparently, people, apparently people who haven't raced in 10 years and are about to win just throw a race. Just throw a race, And everyone's yeah. fine. Everyone's fine. Everything's with okay with it. Yeah. Nobody thinks that he <laughs> threw it or anything. You know, yeah, I got to go back to the old NASCAR, like, oh, there's something wrong. My tires fell off or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, fake some sort of problem. Like, yeah. my engine cut out. Yeah, you didn't even do that. And yeah. just I'm blew, losing just, power. Yeah. Looks at his brother, winks. Something. Yeah. And then something. his brother just, passes through. Just to pull off is like, yeah, <clears throat> just wrong, I guess. I agree with you on that one, Eric. 
Okay, I, I you know I don't know what else we can say about this. I mean, I I think you know it was it was one of those episodes. So I guess we should rate this one zeros that don't bother, tons of must see. Um, anyone want to go first? Gary, you went first last time, so I don't want to lay it on you. So I'll go first. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give it a dead on five. Okay, <clears throat> it it did a couple important. I mean, it gave Jaeger a bit of a backstory. Mm-hmm. That's kind of important. I mean, for the character, it did. The racing itself, visually, like I always like the visuals of those ships and the shots from the cockpit sometimes and stuff like that. It did a couple things okay, you know, right. and it told some story and <clears throat> it added to the characters, but it missed so many marks of ignoring the other racers like we continue to do and yep. jamming in, as Gary said, a new character that we didn't need and being ham-fisted with the story instead of kind of maybe letting it breathe. This is one that maybe could have been more dramatic if it did go a little longer, if they'd put more detail into it. Uh, it just was rushed. So it's totally one of those middle-of-the-road episodes where it added to the character a bit, and we finally got to see a race, but they screwed so much up that I got to go half and half, so I'm giving it a five. Okay. I was actually going to give this one a five, too, like a middle-of-the-line. A 52? Uh, yeah, 52. No, a, a five as well. I, I, I give it a five because it was a middle-of-the-line episode. It wasn't awful. I didn't fall asleep for, through it. Gary, I give him credit, did not fall asleep through this episode. <laughs> Uh, so it was not a yawner, um, but it wasn't like a high peak, high stakes. I needed to see this episode. There was nothing in it that screamed I needed to see it. We finally got to see a race. Thank you, finally. Um, I like the three phases. I actually kind of like the concept of the race. You yeah, go around the rings. Neat. You go way up into space, drop down. I'll you got to get into that ring to get reignited. That's kind of a cool idea. Those spinning rings in the first portion yeah. would be really hard to time. Right. I was actually like... That's a kind of impossible obstacle. Well, I don't know. It reminded me of... It still reminds me of that N64 game. What was it? Star Fox? Oh, yeah. It was where you had to go through mm-hmm. the rings and stuff. It reminded me of that. And there were spinning ones through that. And you had to time those yeah. almost the same way. Yeah. You had to be able to kind of pass through them. So, I mean, I thought the concept of the race was good. But everything around it was kind of like... I agree with Gary. It was kind of lame in the idea that you needed to put the brother in in order to make... You didn't need to do any of that. None of that had to happen. And... The race could have just happened with the people on the platform, and I'd have been good with it. Yeah, You didn't need to create the story from no. outside of the platform. But then, so how could you have done the same thing and told a backstory of Jaeger without his brother? I think you could have done it by still having the race and having him not race, and in the end he admits why he didn't race. Right. Because that would, of, to me would have been, yeah. Or And we spend our time meeting the other characters more. Or what if Kaz stole the racer and raced with it, and then he explains to Kaz why it was a big deal that he stole the racer yeah. and, and raced... I haven't, I haven't used that since. Right. Here's why. Because there's still my wife's guts on it or whatever it is, you know. like <laughs> or, or they could just have flashbacks, you know, of a race right. where, where he crashes into yeah. his, his wife and kids. And right. Stuff, and he's you know? explaining it to Kaz and yeah. we see it in flashback form and I'd have been good with that. Um, yeah, I agree. So, Gary, what would you give this episode? A three. A three. Wow. <laughs> three. So why a Three. Because everything that I've said before, there's no reason why they had to introduce yeah. an, a, a new character that we'll probably never see again. Checkmark. Or, or, or talk about. Yeah. They didn't uh, use the racers that were already there. Check. Which yeah. which they failed miserably on. They showed the, the type pilot, the guy, that's it. Right. And all he did was shoot at people and uh, crashed out at the end. It would have been better if they went through the, the ring at the same time and he crashed into the ring or something, you know. He caught his wing yeah. and went spinning and still right. ejected and something. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he, even if that was with Jaeger and his brother, you know, that, that would have been better too. 
instead of just peeling off to the side and just letting the guy win. Yep. And nobody says anything about it. Now, even, well, why did you do that for? You, you could have won the race. Right. So, it was a waste of time for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those are our thoughts on this episode of Star Wars Resistance. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter and let us know what you thought about this episode of Star Wars Resistance. And they've got to be frustrated because they've like, we finally gave you a racing episode and right. didn't, didn't like it. Which, yeah, it was, it, we are having a hard time with this show. I really do. I yeah. think we are struggling with trying to find something we connect with in the show. And I don't know if it's because it's a kid's show or what the deal is. And they should, better, they should be proud of the fact that I stayed awake for this whole episode. They should be. Yeah, they, they at least kept you through that. I'll, yes. give it, I'll give it one positive. Okay. Kaz cheering and knocking the robot off the platform. Yes, was there was funny. that one was moment. Funny. It was a pit droid, right too. <laughs> yeah, it was a pit droid. Right. Right that was yet. funny. I didn't expect it. So, those were our thoughts in this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, find us on those social media platforms. And as we like to say here in the Star Production Studios, May the Force be with those who listen. Shazam! Golly! Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.